I would like to start today's sermon with a moment of silence for the hour of sleep we all lost last night. I hate daylight savings time in the spring, y'all. I hate it. Every year you'd think I would get used to it. 43 years of this mess and you would think that I was just at least, you know, just resigned to this stuff. I love it in the fall. If we could just keep doing that, that would be great. Just keep getting an extra hour of sleep. I'm down with that. But losing that hour as a mom and as a pastor and just as a human being that likes to sleep, it's just not fun. I think the benefits of daylight savings are a little bit more obvious in the north where I come from, where we in the summer enjoy 10 p.m. sunsets sometimes. Here closer to the equator, it doesn't get quite so dramatic, but the darkness will stand down for another hour this evening. Daylight savings gives us more time to live in the light. This last weekend, I was not here with y'all in this parking lot because I traveled with Bo to Skagit County so that I could officiate a friend's funeral. Just a few short months ago, this friend, Tom, came over and helped Bo load 50 of my favorite houseplants into our minivan before we moved. He helped him structure the, the series of, of, of shelving that was inside this van and strap them all in so that they would make it. He made a plan with us that he would come down with his wife to San Antonio and they would visit their niece who lives in Austin and then come and help Bo make a solar heater for our pool. At 73, he ran circles around most people. He dreamed big dreams. To say that his death as a result of a single car accident on a remote North Cascades highway was a surprise is an understatement. We were certain we had more time. His wife and daughters kept saying that he would tell them often that he was gonna live to 120. And with Tom, you would believe it. It was not unreasonable. As we poured his ashes into the salmon-bearing creek with western red cedars reaching to heaven all around us, it felt impossible that we were out of time, but we were. Nicodemus, I think, felt the same way about Jesus. He assumed he would have more time, more time to ask questions, more time to trust, more time to learn, more time to finally say, I believe you. Nicodemus, to whom Jesus spoke the words that were in the gospel this morning, that was not just a speech that Jesus gave, that was actually a private, intimate conversation had in the darkness of night. Nicodemus was a Pharisee and a member of the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin was a group of ruling religious leaders, almost like a local Supreme Court for religious and community matters. So he was a powerful and well-positioned church and community leader. And as a faith leader and judge, he was presumably wise and he was certainly well-respected. And yet Jesus' teachings, ministry, and presence perplexed and intrigued him, made him wonder if his strict orthodoxy was in the right place. Nicodemus had in our text, as I said before, sought out Jesus in the middle of the night and You know, biblical scholars think it was probably because he didn't want anybody to see him going to see Jesus. He didn't want to be seen fraternizing with the rogue prophet. It would ruin his street cred. So he asked Jesus these questions and engaged Jesus theologically in the privacy of the darkness of night. 
And in the same conversation, he famously asked Jesus about being born again. So Jesus, as he continued this conversation with this, with this leader in the community in the middle of the night, got down to brass tacks about what God's intentions with humanity are. And remember, at this time, uh, someone like Nicodemus would have believed that God had only interest in his religious persuasion. He believed that those outside his faith, those who did not follow the particular rules of his faith, who did not share the inheritance and bloodline of his faith, that they just simply did not belong to God. So Jesus said some incredibly revolutionary and disturbing things that night to Nicodemus. He told him, God loves the whole world. God does not want to condemn the world. God does not want to judge the whole world. God wants to save it, all of it. God cares so much that God embodied flesh to ensure that this message would reach everyone. In short, there is nothing that can separate us from God, even though we still choose all too often to pursue things outside of the fullness of God. I think because we believe we'll have more time. Nicodemus sought out Jesus more than once, more than than just this passage, but Nicodemus ran out of time with Jesus as well. Jesus' unwillingness to dial down his ministry to the marginalized and the revolutionary message of God's love for all, God's healing for all, God's hope for all, got Jesus killed. And my siblings in Christ, hear this today. Remember it and quote John 3.16 for anyone who doesn't believe it. Any religious message that attempts to make the gospel smaller and eliminate children of God from the guest list to Christ's table is antichrist. Jesus died to make sure that the world would, would never experience that kind of exclusion again. And he rose the third day to seal the deal. All belong. God loves the whole world, the entire cosmos. Full stop. And Nicodemus, upon Jesus' death, when he thought he had had more time, realized that, finally. Interestingly, this Pharisee that was so nervous about what others would think of him if he went to visit Jesus, and that he visited him in the middle of the night, this man that wanted to believe, that kept asking questions, but was unable to let go of his extreme power and authority, this guy, when Jesus was executed, when the religious authorities were finally able to silence Jesus, or so they thought, Nicodemus showed up. He brought myrrh and aloe to prepare Jesus' body for burial. And what he brought was so expensive that only royalty would have been buried with the quantity of such spices. So Nicodemus spent more on Jesus' burial than his own family would have spent on his. It was a high, high honor. It was contrition. It was a recognition that he had thought he had more time, more time to tell Jesus that he believed him, more time to learn more, more time to let go into the flow of God's love and healing. It makes me chuckle to think about how the resurrected Jesus and Nicodemus might later joke and laugh over how much he spent on all that burial stuff since Jesus only used it for three days. (laughs) Whoops. But the intention behind that gift For the crucified Jesus spoke loud and clear. I thought we had more time. You are the real deal. I believe you. 
I am not afraid anymore. Ironically, Jesus, dead and then resurrected, eradicated the idea that time is an issue anymore. Death has lost its finality. The universe is open with possibility, life, and love that defies the grave. Little did Nicodemus know that the crucifixion was simply a window into this revolutionary new reality of God's incredible grace. You, likely, like Nicodemus, have some questions and reservations about letting go into the flow of God's love and revolutionary grace. You may feel God calling you into a new ministry, a new adventure, the healing of old wounds, the forgiving of past hurts, a changing of your mind, the rhythm of a new season. It might be hard for you to imagine that God loves everyone, even even those who you don't, or those who scare you, or mystify you, or even you, when you're so harsh on yourself. You might think about these things in the dead of night and feel afraid to mention them in the light. I don't know where you are or what you need, but God does. And God has all the time in the world. Last night, we lost an hour of sleep but tonight it will be handed right back to us with a later sunset and lingering light. As you watch it, remember, you have time. Go, do what God has called you to do in the light of Christ. Amen. <laughs>